Welcome to another episode of Junior Achievement of South Florida's Recipe for Success. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Recipe for Success features entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that make them successful. Here's your host, Lori Salarulo, President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. Hey everyone, and welcome to JA's Recipe for Success, where we feature the stories and the knowledge and all of the ingredients uh, that our leaders and entrepreneurs have used to gain success throughout their lives. And this week, I'm, oh, by the way, I'm your host, if you don't know by now, Lori Salarulo, and proud to be the President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. And it's such a pleasure to bring this show to you and these leaders. Today's guest is someone that I've gotten to know over the last several months. Uh, we are in a group together, and um, it's been such a pleasure to get to know him. He's got a long bio, but I'm just going to mention three companies uh, that he's involved with, and he'll share more with us. Uh, Adam Sloan is the founder and chairman of Sloan Partners. He is the founder and chair of Wolf Hill, and he is the founder and CEO of LifeServe Youth Foundation. This is one busy guy. So welcome, Adam. Hi, Lori. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I think I just saw you yesterday for a few hours. We did. On our call, but it's always good to see you again. And Thanks. so I want to jump right in because uh, first thing is three companies, right? Um, maybe some similarities in a couple of them. But why don't we, for our audience sake, just share with them uh, briefly what the mission or what the purpose is of each of those three companies. Sure, sure. So uh, I started a company, Sloan Partners. Uh, it'll be 20 years in October, hard to believe. And uh, I worked in the diagnostic space uh, prior to starting this company for nine years. And I headed up molecular and genetics sales nationally for them. And uh, just, I was tired. Basically people ask like, what's the sign of an entrepreneur or why'd you start, want to start a business? And I think it was like, partially, I just didn't want people to tell me what to do anymore. And I thought I could make the decisions better. You know? And I'm sure you can relate. So I absolutely. Can you tell I have a little bit of an independent streak? <laughs> <laughs> I saw it yesterday. Um, so, you know, I wanted to focus in the area that I knew, which was this diagnostic space and, uh, we started that company and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to expand, but basically uh, I did really well in business development and then uh, in, in a national position with this, my former company. And it was always very focused on a customer experience. And so I, I took that, uh, the lessons I learned there and tried to incorporate that in the Sloan Partners. And uh, I think it was a blend of, you know, really focusing on, you know, providing an outstanding customer experience at every level and um, really exceeding their expectations. And I think mm -hmm. I was really focused on that. I wasn't focused on revenue and profits and things like that. Um, I learned that if you focus on that, the revenues follow. Um, what I didn't know was really how to run a business very well. And uh, so that was interesting. And I really, I learned a lot my first few years um, but I also, I've always, you know, been attracted to friends or anybody in my life uh, who, you know, people with good character 
And so I always brought on people with good character to the company and, uh, you know, good character, hardworking, you know, highly accountable people that I really had fun working with. And we've done that the whole time at Sloan Partners. And today we are a top five uh, biotech life sciences diagnostics executive search firm. So companies hire us to fill executive positions, both um, leadership roles on the business side and then the, tech, the technical side. And uh, it's, been, it's been amazing. We also went to Disney training where it really took our um, providing an outstanding experience to another level um, with all these touch points. And um, we really, we, we do what we say. So uh, we, we really put together a, a mission, vision, values type of company. Our whole group understands it. And we really live by that, uh, not in a uh, robotic kind of way. We want people to have fun, um, but we really want people that buy into um, our values and what we're all about. And we have like, I can't even tell you the most spectacular group um, that I'm so proud of. And the thing I enjoy most about my company is our people and watching them grow. Um, so, that's, That's amazing. You know, I, I listen, nobody does customer service and getting, uh, making experiences amazing than Disney. So yeah. the fact that you learn from a company like that tells me that it must be uh, a great place to work. And, and also that your customers, your partners must feel very special because that's how you feel when you go there. So um, I've always wanted to do their training. So hopefully someday. Awesome. It's totally um, worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree with you. So, so that's Sloan Partners, Wolf Hill. A uh, little bit about that, also in sure. the thing. Sure. So, um, one of the things that was happening at Sloan Partners is that we started. We were. We've always taken on these very senior technical roles, and you know, one of the requirements was often for like a CIO or chief information officer, a chief technology officer. It always had a security component in it, but it was always fourth or fifth you know, down the, down the uh, list of importance. Um, and what we noticed that really kept changing. And then all of a sudden for a chief information officer, you know, the boards would require that, you know, we have to have somebody with a security background. You know, we, they're, they're all consumed with breaches and anything that could really cost the reputation of the company. And so, we really learned that security business a little more at Sloan Partners, but we decided we're very life science, biotech and diagnostics focused. Um, we saw the opportunity and we decided to create a separate company, Wolf Hill Group, that just focuses in information security, cybersecurity positions uh, at, at various levels, but most of them are, are leadership positions. Um, so we work with both cybersecurity companies, but we also could work with insurance companies, banks, uh, any company that that really wants to protect its data, um, confidential information, and avoid uh, embarrassing situations. Yeah, so, no, but that's uh, something, that business has certainly uh, grown, right, over the last three years with, with yeah, all so of that. That one's a startup. That one's a startup in less than a year old, and wow. the other one's a mature company, so it's interesting to be working with both and they have yeah, very you know, what's interesting about that adam is so what what you did 20 years ago right to start sloan partners 
Yeah. Is it the same as what you're doing now to start up Wolf Hill? I have to tell you, you know, um, you think, you know, we're taking a, a business and we're, we're, we're taking the processes um, that we have at Sloan Partners and we already have all of this experience. Um, I brought in a former partner of ours that, that left the company, left Sloan Partners. He's the CEO at Wolf Hill Group, you know, tremendous experience and passion. And it is shocking how a startup is a startup is a startup. And the amount of work to get traction is unbelievable. And it's, it's shocking. Um, however, we're really doing well and we're getting traction. Our name is out there and it's very good. Um, we've done a lot of work in, around social media, um, you know, doing white papers, things like that. We have an amazing advisory board already. So, um, but it's, it's shocking, you know, I'm like, wait, I did not think it was going to be hard again. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, I would agree. I was curious. I was, I, I thought that would be your answer that. I'd that love to say, oh, it's so much easier the second time. I'm like, and, and I'm older now. I'm like, I wasn't ready for this kind of work. So anyway. <laughs> you look, you look like a spring chicken. Don't worry. So, so life. Uh, serve Youth Foundation came out of a passion of yours for yes. the game of tennis, um, yep. the way you described it to me. And so talk a little bit about tennis, right? And I know you shared with me that you learned a lot of life lessons through the game. Uh, and, and I guess that's what led you to start this foundation. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, Lori, I would wager to say everything I learned about almost everything I learned from tennis and the so I was born with this very rare genetic disease, um, one of the rarest in the world. And uh, my parents weren't really sure what to do with me. I apologize. Um, I thought that was mine. That's OK. Yeah. So um, it was so rare. They, you know, I overheard them saying they thought I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was you know, 15 or 16. And they weren't sure if I would live a full life. And I heard them say these things. And you know, to a kid, that's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and they were really great parents and they were trying to protect me, but I wasn't allowed to do a whole lot as a kid. So I wasn't allowed to play football, wrestling, and I was super hyper athletic, you know, active, energetic, and it was like a caged animal. You know, um, I was allowed to do some things. Um, and then finally, they just felt so badly at age 12 or 13, they let me play tennis. And I got on a tennis court with my aunt and you know i caught on very quickly and i immediately found this place that i felt safe and that i learned that if i got out there and practiced every day um i could get i could keep improving and you know tennis and a lot of i'm a huge i love sports and you know sports and tennis teaches you you have you have really great days and then you have days that are disappointing that come out of the blue and it's shocking you know i was a i became a good tennis player i led my my high school team to the state championship i got a scholarship to play in college i'm the first one in my family to go to college um but i had days where it was like shocking how i could play great yesterday and today i could lose and you know and and that's really life, right? So in life, you have a great day and all of a sudden 
you get hit with all different types of things and you've got to learn how to deal with it and, you know, get up, work really hard. And, and so I was um, a really small kid also as a child. Um, part of the genetic disease that I have, um, uh, I was a real late bloomer. So I was uh, like two or three years behind others developmentally. And uh, so my, when I was 16, I was like five, two and a half, 120 pounds. Wow. And I grew from seven, age 17 to age 20, I grew you know, to, to five foot 10 and I gained 40 pounds and um, really that helped my tennis a lot. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I had to, I always, always had to outwork, practice, hustle, you know, everything. I worked harder than everybody. And, um, and I think I applied that same, you know, that same philosophy to everything I did. You know, when I started my business, I just worked incredibly hard. I met with as many, you know, people I thought could give advice or um, key influencers. And I just, you know, worked extremely hard and tried to learn. I had, it was brutally difficult. I almost got out of the business after my first year. Um, and I just decided to stick it out. I'm like, I don't want to give this up. And you know, luckily I did. And then it kind of slowly took off. Uh, and then we hit the 2008, nine terrible period. Yeah. And we had to lay off like 40% of our staff. And, you know, we learned valuable lessons there too and bounced back and, you know, we're today, we're just stronger than ever. Our team and culture is, is something I'm incredibly proud of. Um, and as you know, we're a, we're a virtual company too. I was going to, I definitely want to, to yeah. talk about that, but yeah. before we do, I, there's something you just said that, that was interesting. So you talked about going through the recession during 2008. Um, and having to make some difficult decisions, yeah. but they see yourselves as a very strong company, even with what we're going through today. Yeah. So what were, what were a couple of the lessons that you learned in 2008, right? That helped you to be so strong for what we're going through today. Cause I think that's yeah. really important for people to hear. So, um, I did not react well in 2008, nine, um, it, Got me off guard. I wasn't prepared, and I was very slow to respond. So um, instead, I kind of was hoping things would shake out and things would get better, and and then they weren't. And we were burning through cash, and you know, I have to say, I reacted. Um, all of a sudden, you know, it was saved the company, and I reacted very quickly and made decisions instead of uh, kind of early on and, and providing our team kind of security, hey, this is where we are today, here's our plan. I was really unprepared. And uh, I would have loved to have handled it differently, but the good thing is uh, I learned a lot from it. And uh, you know, since then we've put together um, you know, our kind of a crisis plan so if, if something happens where we lose business by 15%, we do this. If we're down 30%, we do this. If we're down 50%, we do this. Um, and, you know, fortunately, 
you know, cutting to today, um, we really, we have a great, smart, we have a, our team is incredibly smart, um, passionate, prepared. And so we were prepared for all this. And when this happened, I think you might know from our, our business group, um, we took action very quickly and we tried to do it in a way that wasn't going to shake and rattle the company where people were just going to be in a panic. So uh, we reduced hours and we furloughed people one day a week. Um, and we were very clear about, you know, everybody could see what was going on in the world. Uh, and we did it, we tried to do it compassionately. Um, we, we realized communication was huge. So important. Yeah. And we're in constant communication with everybody. And, uh, you know, our team, we ended up, instead of people being panicked, we had our, our team over and over and over again thanking us for how they were doing this and that, that they know that we're going to look out for their best interest and they're proud to work for us and, you know, we're going to get through this together as a company. And they were offering us support. You know, it was, it was spectacular. You know, yeah. really spectacular. And so really good, good points for people, you know, uh, going through what we're going through today. Um, and so thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think, you know, you mentioned before, and so I want to go back to that. You, you know, we've all now, you know, we're now working remotely uh, mm -hmm. before some leaders. I, I don't know that they would have gone to this voluntarily. Yeah. Uh, but right, we're, we were all basically, you know, we were forced to. Yeah. But and I think some people love it and, and uh, some people aren't loving it. Yeah. And I think that it's based on certain things that you talk about in your culture. You've been remote for many, many years, probably since the beginning. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about why it works for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so in the beginning, we happened to start in in October of 2000. And that's an interesting month because if you go back, that was the month that the NASDAQ crashed and the economy slowly went into a recession. And we were leasing office space and, you know, business was brutally tough. September 11th happened and we needed to cut costs. And so um, I remember I gave notice to the place that we were leasing and it was owned by a lawyer who made excuses to not give me my money back for my deposit. And I was so rattled that I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna work at home. You know, office, office lines back then, phones, it used to be $350 for each phone in an office. And I'm like, well, I'm paying $39.95 for unlimited calls at home. Right. I'm like, I'm gonna just set up my office at home and work from home for a while. And then I realized, wow, I'm just as productive. My clients really, they never asked to come to my office. I was always going to their office. Or if it was a confidential meeting, I would meet people at Starbucks or you know, a restaurant. Um, and I realized no one was ever coming in my office and, and I saved tremendous money. Uh, and then we were also able to hire instead of trying to find, you know, you know, 30 outstanding recruiters and people that understand diagnostics, life science and biotech in, uh, in Miami, we were able to, to hire people that are outstanding anywhere. 
Right. But, but we've saved a lot of money over the years. And um, mm -hmm. the challenge, if it's okay, uh, yeah. with this virtual environment bit was really how do, you, how do you create a culture in a virtual environment and how do you, how do you train people in a virtual environment? So um, the training piece has been unbelievably hard over the years, and we finally have gotten good at that. Um, but the culture piece is the most interesting thing and by far the thing I'm most proud of. And we, we've done it very uniquely. Um, in the beginning, we have one partner, Tara. I have two partners, Tara and Leslie, and Tara really led the charge for our culture um, it was always important to her, and she led that. But then, uh, a few years ago, we ended up creating a culture club at our company. And so rather than the leaders saying, hey, this is our culture, and we need you to follow what we say, we took our leaders from different divisions. And our divisions could be data entry, or it could be uh, our research team, our recruitment team, um, so we took people from different departments at our company who already loved our company, and they came up with really amazing ideas of how we could create an even better culture. And so just quickly, some of the ideas we did is we have an intranet. So we have our own you know, intranet, and people post pictures of their families and recipes and book clubs and pictures and sporting events so they can all share their families and connect with their families. Um, we have all, you know, everything online. So we have a basically a big library, a resource center um, where we have different people head up things to do research on key pieces of our business. Um, and they put together a newsletter. So instead of the three partners, and we have another person who is an unofficial partner, Christy, um, instead of us doing everything, our teams did everything. And they were all responsible for different pieces of the culture. And everybody got engaged and contributed. Uh, and instead of us telling everybody what to do, and here's, this is the way we operate this company, and you guys need to follow it, they created it because they love the company. And they created it with a lot of love. And our teams are insanely productive. Our turnover is shockingly almost non-existent. That's great. And, uh, you know, we also did things like one of the challenges we had five years ago was people were upset with each other and they would talk behind that one's back over here and, and then they'd go over here and, and then people felt alienated and, and upset and we, what we put in place was, hey, if you have an issue with Janet, you need to go to Janet directly and just have an honest conversation with Janet. You owe her that respect. And Janet, we'd like you to just listen to what they have to say. And you guys, you guys can work that out. Right. But don't we, uh, we do something very similar and we call it, I call it, and, and I, they, it's funny to see people's reactions when, when I say it. Um, we call it clearing the decks. Nice. And so when you're coming to me, my answer, and this is what I always say to people is, if you allow me to talk negatively about one of our teammates, you're enabling me. 
right? And you are contributing to that negative culture. But when, when you say to that person, hey, have you gone to talk to Ada and cleared the decks, right? Then, you know, it's a whole different, it creates a whole different environment. It creates a whole different environment. And I have to tell you in a virtual environment, it's even more important because people don't see you. So they wonder what you're saying behind their back. Right. I mean, like, I think they don't like me. So <laughs> I wonder what they're saying. Um, right. And it's just, um, you know, we also have teams. Um, everything is via FaceTime, Skype. And we have buddies and, um, you know, we have teams that work together on things. We also have a culture where every new person remembers what it's like to come into this company. And we are highly productive and our recruitment team, our recruiters are super smart. Um, it's intimidating, but yeah. we have a culture when you come in, you can ask anybody at the company, anything, you know, and we say, you know, the one thing that you can do to be successful is ask people anything about anything. You know, nothing's a bad question. Nothing's a dumb question. All of us have been new here. Um, the worst thing you can do is not ask. And if you don't ask, shame on you, because right. we have a culture you can ask. I love it. Gosh, you have thrown out so many amazing ingredients uh, to the success of your companies, to you personally. Um, thank you for sharing when there were difficult times and, and how you got through those, because I think those are really helpful, especially today for people to hear. And so with all of those ingredients, and I could go on and on listing them, uh, you know, about transparency and good working with good people, making sure you select them, doing what you say, right? Um, hard work, uh, trust, respect, accountability, authenticity, right? In these conversations, all amazing um, ingredients. What's the main ingredient? To your success, I would. Uh, I want to use one word, but there's almost a combination of two. Am I allowed to do a combo? Oh, sure, go ahead. All right, because <laughs> uh, my word really was my my first choice was resilience, um, and then it's a blend of resilience and persistence. You know, you've just got to just keep showing up, keep doing the best you can. You're going to have some bad days, and you know, try to learn from your mistakes and keep showing up and giving your best. And some days your best is really not that great. And you have to accept that. I've had a, that's been tough for me. I'm brutally tough on myself at times. And I just, I've learned to try to give myself a break. Yeah. I just have bad days sometimes, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Listen, we had a, a guest on last week, uh, David Greenberg, who was, uh, traded on the Ninex uh, trading floor. And wow. he said, half your trades in a day were bad trades. And if you didn't learn to move on from those bad trades or a bad day, I would tell my kids that when they were little. The next morning we would say, okay, wipe the slate clean. It's a new day, right? Yeah. Okay that we made a mistake yesterday or we had a bad day. Let's move forward and not dwell on that. So, Absolutely. and by the way, I have to say this and nobody else out there will know what I'm talking about, but you will. But thank you for showing up. Oh, <laughs> I was going to make a little joke about that. <laughs> I was trying to you throw that say, in. Make sure that you work hard and you show up. So I just wanted to say. You're welcome. You that you, you know, I deserve that. 
so you're welcome to uh and I'm like such a freak about timeliness and everything like no nobody needs to know what I mean just you <laughs> I never publicly shame you totally no. use listen a public shaming is absolutely deserved listen thank you so much I have just loved having this conversation with you hearing about your recipe and the recipes for your companies it's so good to hear uh, from someone who is is navigating well through the times today right because there's so much so much out there you know so many companies that are struggling and so thanks for sharing all those secrets with us and with our audience uh, and thanks for just becoming a new friend absolutely I, I love what what you do at, at, at junior achievement and uh, I we're all about you know my nonprofits about helping kids too so I think what you're doing is incredible. Well, so, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, and thanks. That gives me a good chance to mention thank you for donating to our campaign uh, to really expand our reach into every single household in Broward and South Palm Beach County, bringing literacy education, uh, specifically uh, financial literacy, health literacy, and reading literacy. But mostly this is about financial literacy, this campaign, uh, because we know that, that teaching our students and sending it into the homes will engage the whole family and help them to recover in times like this. So thank you for supporting that, Adam. And thank you for being a new friend and, and, and just a friend in general. And thanks for sharing today. I loved it. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. And thanks everyone for watching. Look forward to seeing you on our next episode of JA's Recipe for Success. Make it an amazing day.